This is the Banky Players Podcast. Over the next few weeks, seven of us from the local area will be discussing topics that interest us. We are new to this sort of work and would appreciate if you would share podcasts with friends and family. Thank you and enjoy. Hi, welcome to the second episode of the Banky Players Podcast. Uh, last week, uh, we had a group podcast with all seven of us. But this week, me and Lindsay decided to split up and do our own interview section. So we're here with a history teacher from our school, Mr. Hamilton. And we're going to be talking about uh, the 80th anniversary of the Clydebank Blitz that happened this weekend. So hello, sir. Hi, guys. Uh, thank you so much. I think this is a, a really good thing that you're both doing. So thank you for uh, taking the time to, to speak to me. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, so we'll just kind of take it back. So this weekend pass was obviously the 80th anniversary uh, of the Clybank Blitz and for those who don't know can you just give us a bit of a general sort of overview of what the Clybank Blitz actually was? Yeah uh, I mean you're, you're, you're talking here about arguably one of the most significant um, events in sort of recent Scottish history. Um, if, if you're not familiar with Clydebank or, or even if you are familiar with the town the town, as it stands today, is a, it's, it's incredibly difficult, uh, sorry, different, I should say, uh, from how it was. Um, if we were to turn the clock back 80 years ago um, to when the Blitz actually took place during World War II, Clydebank was heavy industry, and heavy industry was Clydebank. We had John Brown's shipyard, we had the Singer sewing machine factory, the Admiralty oil depot, uh, Beardmore shipyard, the Royal Ordnance factory. Um, all these kind of huge kind of sort of industrial outputs, you know, the town was just so unbelievably different from how it is today. Yeah. And and being that way, that meant that the town was of course a target because all of all of this industrial output, you know, the, the shipyards that had up to then been building the luxury liners, for example, or the, the Singer sewing machine factory that had been making the sewing machines, all of their output or pretty much the majority of their output shifted to the war effort. So it was really only a kind of a matter of time before the German Air Force, the Luftwaffe, would be concentrated or targeted on Clydebank to try their best to eliminate that war output. And mm-hmm. and essentially that's what happened here over two nights. There was a, a devastating bombardment on the, the nights of the 13th and the 14th of March, 1941. And sadly, when we, with the benefit of hindsight, look back now, the, the industry was largely unaffected and that might be a con- you know a controversial thing to say but it, it really it really was production didn't necessarily stop as a result of the attack and it was the town that surrounded or or was amongst the industry that was so badly affected and official records and, and, and estimates very wild that very wildly but we, we know that officially 528 Clydebank civilians were killed but those estimates if we include Clydeside um, could could go up to maybe one thousand two hundred. So this was this is a hugely significant event here in Clydebank in this town. You said that uh, Clydebank was like a target for many obvious reasons. So were people sort of prepared for what was going to happen, or was the sort of like damage that was done was that quite unexpected? Was it more severe than people had expected? It's. It's a really good question, and it's quite a difficult one to answer because um, I think the answer is quite human. That 
if we think about the lives that, that were lost uh, and we, we, we sort of think in this kind of associated innocence of just ordinary people who, who lived in the town, you know, young, old men, women, um, there might have been this disbelief that, you know, they're not going to come after us. We're just ordinary folk going about our ordinary lives. Um, but again, with the benefit of hindsight, it, you can't in any way underestimate the significance of Clydebank as an industrial town. And I think now looking back, there's a there's a kind of an obviousness to it that, well, of course it was going to be a target. Um, and then there's also, yeah, and I sort of mentioned the human element too, of people thinking, well, if it does happen, we'll be okay. You know, our houses aren't going to collapse around us. Uh, we'll be fine. The shelter will hold up. Or, or even thinking about a story that related to my own grandfather um, when he was a boy and lived not too far outside the town. He could have been evacuated to the countryside like many children were, but his mum had her own concerns about that. She wanted her boy to stay with him and, and not to be evacuated out. So I, I think the answer to that is quite a human one in the sense that we, we we have to think about this from the perspective of the people who were there. That Maybe there was a disbelief, maybe, there, maybe it wasn't disbelief, maybe it was just sheer kind of bravery or, you know, um, courage in the face of adversity, but it's a difficult one to answer, but I think it would be silly to say that people in the town would have been so naive that it wouldn't have been a target. Yeah. But I think equally, I don't think anyone was foolish enough to kind of underestimate, you know, the, the, the impact of what happened either. Yeah, so it's like, even though we were an integral part of the war effort and we were, like, making supplies to go out to the war, it sort of seemed quite far away at the same time. So to have that bomb run, it was even terrifying. And it, it, correct if I'm wrong, but this was like more intense than a lot of bombing runs that had happened before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the figures we've got, uh, we've got you know, it's, it's a huge bombardment, basically. We've got a massive amount of bombs that are being rained down on the town. And, and it's also the, the, the nature. We've got parachute mines, which are huge, you know, these slow-moving... Um, huge, huge um, bombs dropping from the sky, um, held held by parachute, dropping down onto buildings and people below. We, we've got incendiary um, a artillery being dropped in the town as well, which meant that uh, not only does it, does it have a blast um, effect as well, but it also has a, has a fermite charge. Forgive anyone conflict historians or scientists who say I'm getting this wrong, but it has a fermite charge that then can then set fire to things around it. Right. Um, and, and these these are horrible, you know, but history by its very nature, when you look at these subjects, is brutal. And, and what this done to people, I mean, this this is no way pleasant or civil. I mean, we, we are we have a mass grave in the town, which I think sometimes we, I'm not saying we forget about it, but we have a mass grave in this town following the Blitz because largely people were unable to be identified either because of what the bombs did to them physically or because there was no one from their family there to identify them so this was absolutely brutal yeah i mean you look back and you like you hear about the figures obviously and and how it was over two nights but you don't really get a sense of how gory and, and gruesome it was and it would have been terrifying for the civilians to even go through that um, mm -hmm. so it's just looking deeper into the stories of what actually happened instead of just looking at the figures but yeah, so during the Blitz, you said it was over two nights. So did that sort of, was it like the first night they were they were bombarded and then it took a break and then it was the next night? 
or was it just a constant fire? Yeah, it, it was across two nights. Um, we're, we are talking about nighttime bombardments. Um, uh, again, I might be, be wrong in terms of uh, the exact details, but from what I know, we're looking at about sort of nine o'clock. Uh, and the interesting thing about it being um, at nighttime as well, certainly on the 13th, it was referred to as being a bomber's night. And what that meant was that really it was a moonlit sky, very little cloud cover, which meant that from a bomber's perspective, you know, you had this fantastic view of the town. And and, and this is probably where I should address one of the, the myths that, about the Clydebank Blitz. And it's a, a myth that is really held on to by people. You might have heard stories about, well, they mistook the canal for the River Clyde. Or, or, or some people, some people yeah. say it's the local Great Western Road, something's called the Boulevard. And they mistook that as being the river. And that's why the industrial targets were, were sort of largely unaffected. That really is is an insult to the, the German Air Force, if I'm quite blunt. I mean, this this is this is a, a highly capable, highly technical Air Force that by that point have flown to the absolute limits of their range to get from Northern Europe to, to Clydebank and to then say that they would mistake a canal or, or a road as being the river is, is just something. I, I don't know where that's came from, but it has certainly grown in popularity in terms of people talking about it. But it was an incredibly clear moonlit night, which, which made it very, very easy for the bombers. Um, there's lots of different stories about sort of like the Germans maybe missing Clydebank because lights had to be turned off and sort of they weren't too sure where Clydebank was. So is that kind of like, uh, is that another myth that they sort of bombed other parts of the Clyde, mistaking it for Clydebank? Um. There's, 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 I suppose there's different aspects to that. Um, there, there, were, there were sort of very conscious attempts um, at government level to protect key towns like Clydebank, and we, we had the sort of dummy towns built into the hills. We, we, we had uh, blackouts, and you would have your um, ERP wardens, you know, who would be going around making sure that you know curtains were uh, closed tight and no lights that you know should uh, no, no lights would be eliminated. Uh, sorry, illuminated when they, they should be. Um, but but I, I kind of always bring it back to what I said there is, you know, that, that there's a, I can understand why people probably want to um, not necessarily draw fault at the, the German Air Force, but almost, I think it's like anything in life, we like to kind of explain something away, yeah. um, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I don't think we can with what happened. The, the, the town, we were a target because of, you know, to be quite honest, we were a target because of how good this town was in terms of industry. Um, the, the stuff that was coming out of this town was, was you know, second to none. And, and that made it a target. And and that that is the honest truth. Um, uh, what, what, is, what is complicated, what, what is, you know, carried out by human beings and uh, mistakes are made. Um, there, there certainly were um, a number of um, bombs dropping in and around Clydebank. There, there are some people who would refer to the Clydebank Blitz as the Clyde Side Blitz, because mm-hmm. um, for for them, you know, there, there's a wider um, a array of bombs that have been dropping. And, and we have to remember as well that you know Clydebank is just one part of the River Clyde. Further, you know, um, in the western direction, we've, we've got towards Greenock, uh, where there was certainly industrial output, and then further back towards home, we've, we've of course got Glasgow, where there was industrial output too so there, there were but really Clydebank I think that I think what makes it so tragic and, and so harrowing is that you know it's not the biggest town by, you know in terms of 
um, square miles, and it was for the size of it densely populated. About forty eight thousand people lived in the town at that time, um, and and this is an incredible percentage of people who really were, were killed, were injured, uh, and then also were made homeless as well. Wow. So that's sort of double as it is now as well, because the population is around twenty six thousand around that. So yeah, that's something. Um, do you think maybe the myths around like, the Luftwaffe missing would have been how well Clydebank bounced back after that? And as you said, they, they kept on producing the industry was still booming. So do you think it was maybe something to boost the morale about how Clydebank was still functioning after the Blitz? Yeah, I mean, Clydebank done, done a great job of um, getting back to work the next day. As far as I know, there was only one uh, company in the town that output production output had to stop and that was uh, the Strathclyde Hosiery Company and everyone else was able to you know dampen the fires and, and sort of get back to work um, but, but there is one sort of tragic twist to this and again it's possibly controversial but, but had John Browns for example been struck um, there is an argument to be made that the yard would have had to out of necessity um, bring in new machinery which by um, definition of the era would, would have probably been um, far more efficient um, and, and far more cost effective and uh, so the yard didn't actually modernise because it didn't need to the, the tried and tested methods of which were great were working and, and what happened after the war was across parts of Europe and, and beyond was that many of the shipyards in various countries that had been bombed as part of wider uh, bombardments, they had to modernise. So they brought in machinery that was almost replacing people, could get ships built quicker and cheaper. And, and actually, in, in sort of missing our yards, and this is very controversial, but in missing our yards, the Luftwaffe actually, in a strange sense, sort of economically, um, they, they done the town no favour there as well, because ultimately the competition became very difficult. And, and that is a very simplistic view. There's far more politics and sort of social history attached to that. But there is an element, uh, or there's an argument, I should say, to be made that had the yard itself been hit, um, that you never know, shipbuilding could have survived a bit longer in the Clyde. Yeah, so it's almost a, a bittersweet sort of thing, they, without even knowing they affected Clyde Bank economically as well for years to come. Yeah, so obviously we've talked about the Blitz and what happened in the aftermath. Why do you think it's important now to still remember it and, and look back on it every year? I, th I think there, there's a number of reasons. One, um, the history of Clyde Bank is a relatively short one. The town isn't necessarily that old when we compare it to, you know, neighbouring towns and cities. But in the short space of time that it's been a town, it's had an incredible history and, and the town has evolved and, and changed so much. You only need to look at photographs of how the town used to look uh, and look at it now I mean it's unrecognisable largely I must say due to the blitz because we had something in the region of around only seven houses that were undamaged so the town had to rebuild and that's why you've got pockets of sort of houses that must have been repaired houses that were put up quite quickly after the war ones that have, you know that were put up and since have been demolished and new ones in their place so there's a story a sort of a legacy to, to what happened to the blitz in terms of the the geography and, and the physical landscape of the town and it, it's I've sort of been through this as a, a First World War One history geek and, and it's certainly happening now with the Second World War we're losing our uh, living memory of the Second World War you know less and less people 
who were around when the Blitz happened are, are sadly uh, with us today. Because, you know, you have to be in your probably very late 80s to early 90s to even have been, you know, a child when this happened. And I, and I do worry that the, the memories of, of what happened and, and how this town used to be, um, but it, not lost, I won't go as far as that, but certainly not as well known. Um, I, I often wonder, and it might sound a bit pedantic, how many young people know where the, the memorial to the Blitz in the town is. Um, do they know that there's a, a memorial in Radnor Park area, for example? You know, there's there's, there's so much um, history associated with the Blitz that I sort of worry could could potentially get lost. Um, but there's also one other, I think, important aspect that I've not mentioned, and, and that's the, the fact that because the town was so horrifically damaged in terms of the housing uh, as well as the, the, the human cost. We had this mass exodus of people from this town out of necessity, people who had to literally grab what they could and either walk or get onto a bus and they went to neighbouring towns, villages, cities, you know, presumably in the first instance of friends and family, emergency accommodation, and I'm sure they all left the town with the, the mindset of we'll be back. But for mm -hmm. many of them, they didn't. They never ever returned. They went away to places in Ayrshire or, you know, the east end of Glasgow or, or towards Cumbernauld. And, you know, for many of them, they met wives, they met husbands, they had kids, they settled down where they were. And we, we lost bankies as a result of death from the Blitz, but we also lost bankies because they became refugees and, and they never ever returned. So we, it, there's a huge social and I, can, I suppose a kind of an emotional um, impact to what happened to the Blitz as well. There's, there's just so many ways of looking at it and, and I feel like in the 10 years I've been teaching at Clydebank High I'm, I'm still scratching at the surface and uh, you know for me it's just an incredibly important piece of our, of our local history in this area. Yeah it sounds so complex and there's, there is so many individual stories even though it was the same event and it affected everyone in the area. Everyone has their own sort of story on it and for that to get lost through generations by, as you said, death, refuge, or it just becoming sort of not talked about and, and it sort of disappears, it's quite sad. Um, what do you think we can do to keep at, keep the memory alive and remember it even now? For me, um, and, and this is really from the perspective of being a teacher in, in the heart of the community, I think it really does, what I'm about to say only applies here is, I try to say to the young people, S1 through to S6, is, you know, ask mum, dad, granny, granddad, aunt, uncle, anyone who, you know, is older than you in the family, do you know anything about what happened to us during the Blitz? Um, because it's amazing sometimes how many stories just go untold. And even if it's, a, a you know, someone who's in their 30s or 40s and, of course, are far too young, they might turn around and go, well, do you know what, Mike? my granddad, your great-granddad, they told me about this and this is what happened. It might not even be that they they themselves were in the town. It might be that they were nearby and they know of stories, they know of friends. And for me, it's about... History is remains important if we talk about it. Um, we, we, can, we can hang real emotional attachment to dates and numbers and years, um, but there's, there's, no, there's no reason that I can legitimately in this podcast say that, you know, that on Saturday, Sunday there, when it was the, uh, the 13th and the 14th of March, and it was the 80 years, that it was suddenly more important then than it is today. That That's not true. The stories, for me, 
they remain important, they never diminish. And I, I think it's about talking about it, uh, remaining interested in it and, you know, just, just keeping those stories going. That, that's what's important for me. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, hopefully when we do put this out and promote it, people can, in like the, the comment sections or the discussion area, maybe talk about their stories and just hopefully it sparks a discussion within the community. That would be nice. All right, well, that's been the second episode of the Banking Players podcast. Uh, I just want to say thanks to Mr. Halton so much for coming on. It was good to get a, another point of view and a more experienced point of view to talk about this because I don't think it would have been the same if me and Lindsay just talked about it. So thanks very much for coming on. Well, thank you to both of you. Um, that really was a pleasure and all the very best for the, the podcasts that are no doubt up and coming. Yeah, thank you very much. So hopefully when we get this out in the community, uh, people can have discussions and get, get talking about the blitz. So thank you very much for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed. See you later. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Thank you.